This is Second Down on ESPN Radio, presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko and Cam Urshry. Glad you guys are hanging out with us on this Tuesday afternoon. We have so much to dive into today. Today, the anniversary of a couple of very important milestones in college football history. I should say this week. This week is pretty significant in terms of college football history, uh, obviously because of where it falls on the calendar, but a big week. So I want to dive into a couple of the historic things that have happened that have kind of changed the landscape of college football. Obviously, we're going to talk some Georgia-Alabama. Stetson Bennett he has got some things to say. So we're going to dive into that. Before we go any further, I did want to go back. Uh, this is completely on me, just in the heat of all the conversations and all the things we wanted to talk about yesterday. Completely forgot to bring it up. I uh, want to bring up the passing of legendary Hall of Famer, Former Atlanta Falcons coach, Super Bowl champion, Dan Reeves, who passed away and just an unbelievable coach and a guy who I think if you just want to talk about football, the craziest stat about him is he participated as a coach or a player in nine different Super Bowls <laughs> throughout the years, uh, coached and played with some of the legends uh, of the game. I mean, he was a player coach for Tom Landry. So just an icon in American football history. We wanted to bring that up. Uh, from Rome, Georgia, played high school at America's Georgia, uh, was a South Carolina Gamecock. So just born and bred in the Peach State and just a, a good Southern dude and wishing his family nothing but peace and happiness as they have so many great memories to go back on and look. And just for me, growing up an Atlanta Falcons fan, Dan Reeves was the head coach. Mm -hmm. So uh Thoughts and prayers to his family. We did want to bring that up, though. The legendary Dan Reeves passed away at age 77. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, just a, a, a historic man all around when it comes to football and when it comes to uh, the state of Georgia, really the South. Uh, just kind of ha had had an impact on a lot of different things and obviously a lot of different organizations. That That's a term you don't hear a lot anymore. And uh, as well, a player coach uh, back in the day also – uh, with some pretty important teams and uh, just being able to hit the milestones that he was able to. And uh, I know even with, with someone like me, I like, grew up in the North. Uh, you, you guys are, are both, you know, Georgia kids who grew up uh, yeah. watching and, and uh, rooting for the Falcons. Obviously, that, that was a, a big part of, uh, of who uh, Dan Reeves was. And uh, so I, I kind of have an outsider's perspective, but still, as that outsider's perspective, a ton of respect for obviously what he was able to do. Uh, not only in football, but but outside of it as well. So uh, certainly uh, sad to hear of the passing. And like you said, uh, good vibes and, and prayers uh, to the family uh, during this time. Okay, but again, this, this week, a huge week in terms of the history of football. Yesterday, guys, was the 15-year anniversary of the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, I, no, I, no, no, no. Pretty, yeah, yeah. yeah. 15 years ago, the arrival of Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Yeah. Literally that morning, he was still the head football coach of the Miami Dolphins. I'm not going to coach Alabama. <laughs> I'm not going to coach the Crimson Tide. Well, I mean, according to this story on ESPN.com, you know, <laughs> the AD came down, was staying at his house in Miami. He slept on what he said, and he's like, all right, I'll do it. And what's funny is I, I knew – so Rich Rodriguez was the guy they wanted, mm -hmm. right? They wanted Rich Rod to come in and take over, but he goes and ends up spurning them to take the Michigan job, right? So they wanted Rich Rod to come to Tuscaloosa. He turns them down, 
and it was more like it was kind of like an eleventh hour kind of a deal where everyone thought like he was already on campus in Tuscaloosa. But he takes uh, the Michigan job, and then they actually I didn't know this they had offered a job to Steve Spurrier. Wow. Yeah. No, I had no hmm. idea about that. So they were trying to get him from South Carolina <laughs> over to Alabama. <laughs> And that which which is you know, what's funny is Steve Spurrier is still the last SEC East head coach yeah. to beat Alabama. Right. So that just so many layers uh, in this. <laughs> <laughs> but he turns him down, and so Saban was, I don't want to say the third option, but I guess maybe became an option when they got turned down by those two guys. He became the top option for them. Maybe they didn't even consider him prior to that, just because he was in the NFL. And uh, even though I think he had gone like six and ten the year before, Wayne Heisinga, the owner of the Dolphins, like still really believed in him, and he was slowly developing his brand of football down in Miami. And then it's just, I love the Saban story, right? Because we obviously know what he's done since he's taken over inside of college football, right? Six national championships. Uh, Alabama hadn't had a Heisman winner. I don't know how many years before he got there. And now yeah. all of the ones that they've had since he's been there. But it had been a long time mm -hmm. since they had had a Heisman winner. Now it's like basically every single year it's an Alabama player up there in New York. At least right? a finalist, yeah. So, right. So it's just what he's done is nothing short of the greatest coaching job in the history of college football over his tenure. He's the greatest coach in the history of college football. But at the same time, it came down to a decision from a doctor, and he could have had Drew Brees in Miami. Mm -hmm. And how could have that have changed the NFL and the trajectory of not only the NFL but of college football if Nick Saban gets Drew Brees and they're winning football games and he's like, I got Drew Brees and I live in Miami, which, I mean, is a hard thing to go away from. Not taking yeah. anything away from Tuscaloosa, but Miami's Miami, right? So it's just how could the history of college football change? I think yesterday, January 3rd, a pretty significant day, not just in college football mm -hmm. history, but just in football history in general because Drew Brees very easily – we could not have seen him with Sean Payton and all those records that they set in the Super Bowl. Uh, it's just, it's amazing how just a couple of decisions shake out the butterfly effect of that and where we're sitting right now. Yeah, he's been haunting me to this day. I guess you could say that because <laughs> if Nick Saban doesn't go to Tuscaloosa, how many you know national championships does Georgia have? Two, maybe three, at least, at least. But I mean, I think it's also a good thing because I mean he came to the SEC and he's kind of put the SEC on notice as far as like the dominance in college football, per se. I mean, I know Florida's won a couple, and Auburn's won, what, one, LSU won one, but we know Bama's been dominating pretty much forever for yeah. basically half of my I, life. I think Nick Saban not only changed the SEC, but I think he kind of changed college football in that mm -hmm. it used to be very much of a, I don't want to say a regionalized sport, because obviously TV and the internet has really changed that, but when it came to recruiting, I mean, PJ, you're a Big Ten fan. A majority of Ohio State's players were from Ohio, and Pennsylvania got a majority of their players from Pennsylvania and surrounding uh, and surrounding states, right? Georgia, a majority of their players were from Georgia. Florida, going to South Carolina, pick a guy out, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Nick Saban came in, and he turned college football into an arms race, right? Not just in recruiting, because he, he did that. One of my favorite – this is a piece uh, on ESPN.com right now on the front page by Alex Scarborough. But – he came in and he was, again, he was, as of that morning, he was still an NFL head coach. Right. And he comes in and the recruiting coordinator and the staff is kind of sitting in a room as he's walking in and touring the facility after they got his wife, Terry, and everybody else settled in. He's touring the facility. He walks up to the big board and he's looking at the big board. And he goes, hey, where are we at with this guy? And he's pointing at Rolando McClain. <laughs> and he's like pointing at these different guys and they're all in there like, oh, okay, this guy's a little bit different. Yeah. Right? He knows about <laughs> these kids who are like, yeah, yeah, this is a high school senior, Rolando McLean, that he's like, hey, who's, when's the last time somebody called this guy? Right. Kind of a thing. So he came in and he turned college football into an arms race, not just in recruiting, 
but also with facilities. Because he the Bryant Denny Stadium that he was walking around in is not the same one that we're looking at right now. Yeah. Right. And he's he's turned that into just the death star of college football. And then the actual the the weight rooms that they have there and the locker rooms that they have there. One of the first things they said is he came in and he said, I want the meeting rooms on the same level as the locker room to make it more convenient for the players. So they're not having to walk and spend extra time going to these meeting rooms. They can walk out of the locker room right into a meeting room. So it's just in the money and the investment that Alabama gave him. Think about who was on his staffs all of those years in Tuscaloosa, right? You're looking at one of them in Athens that he's about to play again in a national championship. Kirby Smart's in there, and he's taking all of that stuff in and saying, okay, if we're going to do this right, we have to have the facilities that can keep up with it. And if you look at Georgia, from when Kirby Smart got there to where they are now, completely different. Yeah, All the indoor practice facility that they have, the new facilities that they're building right now, the upgrades that they've done to the Buttsmere building, it's its become an arms race inside of college football. And if you're going to get the recruits, I mean, LSU, they win the national championship. And I think the very next year, they have just a spaceship of a locker room, mm-hmm. right? It's just, it's you can't, you can never be satisfied. Right. And that, I think, a lot of it is credited to Nick Saban. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you talk about him him revamping that like that. It's just insane. And, and thinking about it, too, I mean, you, you talk about, him going in automatically looking at recruiting boards and pointing at this guy, Rolando McLean, and saying, where is he at? Yeah. I remember just a few years before that, he's head coach, won the national championships at there LSU. with LSU. Yep. So uh, it's it's interesting to see the progression of Nick Saban as well, of you know going in, winning that national championship with LSU, going to the NFL, that whole time possibly thinking, you know, it, yeah, everyone has their backup plans, every, right? Everyone's like, well, if this doesn't work out, uh, what would I do differently when I go back? Well, it, it it seemed like he he was thinking of ways to do things differently, or or at least renovate how he was doing things, even after coming off a national championship. And while he was in the pros, oh, if I ever go back to college football, this is kind of what what I want to do. And boom, automatically puts it into action. And uh, no, for sure, it's it's uh, been obviously remarkable to to see what what they've been able to do. And and now, well, what do you think of like with yeah. with every single head football coach that takes over? I I know as as a fan of a team that has a quote-unquote great recruiter as their head coach, always talking about facilities, yeah. always talking about needing needing better this, better that, to get those recruits in there and make things more efficient uh, for the players. So not a big surprise that he was talking about that, but more of a surprise to hear, man, that, that was Nick Saban. That came from him, and, and you'll look at the trickle-down effect of, boom, he starts winning national championships. Now what's every coach talking about and what's every coach focusing mm-hmm. on? Imagine that the same thing that he. Oh was. yeah, the the Saban <laughs> blueprint has been try or tried to be copied multiple times. Like I said, I don't think you have to look any further than Athens. Like obviously, yeah. you wanted to bring Kirby Smart in because he it's he's a former All SEC Georgia Bulldog, right? From his safety spot back in the '90s. So you had the alma mater thing, highly successful defensive coordinator with a highly successful team. But make no mistake about it, when they bring Kirby Smart in, it's because they want they wanted to make Georgia Tuscaloosa East, mm-hmm. right? And I think he's done about as good of a job as you could of emulating what Alabama has done and there's a reason we are now seeing both of these teams match up in the national championship again and both of them have dominated their side of the conference and again it's college football there's 130 FBS teams and those are the two teams playing for the national championship right now so Nick Saban just completely shifted the way these head coaches operate they want to go back I was correct I doubted myself again Alabama did not have a Heisman winner before Nick Saban got there. Yeah, man. Mm. 
But I, I Mark, was kind of on the Mark, same. Yeah, Mark Ingram was the first ever Heisman winner yeah. for Alabama. He's I blessed was... us with a lot of NFL players. I want to say every. Uh, he's no. blessed the NFL. <laughs> yeah. NFL. I want to say every team. I, I would love to know this stat. Like, every team has to at least have one Alabama player on that roster. Probably. Probably, but yeah. I, mean, I mean, some or, of the time. Or, or really close to that. Right. Yeah, really close. You have some teams really that close. just love drafting certain players. Like, the Giants love drafting Georgia players, and the yeah. you know, Jaguars love Florida players. So There was a time when, when Bill Belichick was getting incredible production out of players from Rutgers, which yeah. like, it seemed like every year he was getting someone from. Uh, I can't, and, and, I can't yeah. wait for Stetson Bennett to be like a – kick returner wide receiver <laughs> yeah for the patriots <laughs> right right no for sure but think about that though i, I think people overlook to the the production and getting players ready for the nfl it's a whole lot different. like it's not just this factory where oh this kid's gonna be is a top 100 top 150 yeah. player in high school in the nation he's gonna go to a college and he's automatically gonna be an nfl player as well no like seeing Alabama churn out so many high-quality NFL players, and I say that, but not college football players, NFL players is a, a statement uh, to what they do in producing, in, uh, I'm, the, the word is, is slipping my mind, but developing. in getting, yes, developing them and getting them ready. Because, sure, there's I'm, I'm with you. plenty no, no, of I'm, programs I'm with out there. you on this, but I think it, Kirby Smart kind of said it. You can't out-coach talent. You can't out-coach recruiting. I think Nick That's Saban true, does yeah. a vast majority of his job just getting the players on campus. If you can get sure, a, if you can get 100 of the top 5% of the players in the country, you're going to put out eight or nine NFL guys every single year. I'm not saying Nick Saban doesn't do an amazing job of developing yeah. players and sending them to the NFL. I'm just saying I don't inherently know that – Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone and the guys that are on the Alabama co- and Pete Golding are that much better of football coaches and developmental guys than any other power five or Luke Fickle. Like, I mean, I would say what Luke Fickle has done in terms of developing, he's going to put three guys in the first two rounds of the NFL draft mm-hmm. at Cincinnati. I'd say that's more impressive than Alabama having nine players, right? Because it's just what Nick Saban does is he goes, I'm just going to take the best of everything. Like me, Georgia, Texas A&M, and Ohio State are just going to split up everything between the four of us, and then everybody else can have everything else, right? It's it's easier to put the talent in the NFL when you're doing that. Yeah, because there's some colleges that have, like, you know, a couple of players in the NFL that are good, but Alabama has, like, ten wide receivers that are good. That's nuts. And, like, yeah. like literally ten wide receivers that are good, not counting any other position. It's just – he gets talent. Like, top of your head. It's crazy. Who's saying? Who's there's, there's, there's a good reason why. Yeah. Why? Also, you got to think of – like the longevity of them, there's a good reason why there's not a whole lot of Alabama players that they and and I get you with the talent thing for sure. They're they're getting the best yeah. talent in there and and talent produces, but at the same time, there's not a whole lot of Alabama players that go in the league and bust after one or two years. And no. look at the other top programs. They're, they're, there sure used to be like the running thing are. used to be like you Trent didn't want to draft Richardson. Alabama DBs, right? Kind of running backs too. That's like changed. I know Trent yeah. Richardson wasn't. He he was a very big miss. Eddie Lacy was okay for a couple of years. Yeah. Mark uh, Ingram's I, the one solid one where you like can hold Richardson's on to. I feel like kind of an outlier, but like Eddie Lacy. Kenyon Drake. Eddie Lacy had like a couple really big Yeah, he had We some all know years. what his really problem was, though, and it wasn't like <laughs> listen, it wasn't listen. anything on the football this, Okay, field. maybe not Cam, but this show, we are not one to talk about. I'm not trying to. Oh, I will just, talk about problems. you now. No, but you're, you just can't talk about that. Thick, only <laughs> thick boys can talk about thick boys like that. Kenyon Drake. 
you know, but I mean, wide had, receivers. A couple of really good, oh my god! Like top of your head, like how many Alabama wide receivers can you name right now in the NFL that are dominating? You have Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Jalen Waddle, Amari Cooper. I mean, Jerry uh, Judy is hurt. Jerry I Judy, think. but I mean, still. Oh, um, Jerry yeah, Jalen Waddle's going crazy yeah, before Alabama doing it. So I mean, it's yeah, it's nuts. Mm. Topics like that kind of like it floods my mind. So it's like there's yeah. so many I can't even like. Two keep more track. coming into the league. Correct, now. like Jameson Williams and John Mechie will. Absolutely, <laughs> be in the league. <laughs> they have more wide receivers than some teams have. Like just all position yeah. players in the NFL right now. It's it's insane. No, it's nuts. But again, as of well, yesterday, fifteen years ago, Nick Saban arrives in Tuscaloosa and just completely changes the landscape of football. Not just in college, I'll say not just in the NFL either. Just football in general. The way we look at high school football now, as important as recruiting has become, Nick Saban and the emphasis and just the I don't know if drive is a strong enough word for the amount of emphasis he put behind recruiting. The way he addressed it just completely changed football in general. Now it's filtering down into the middle school. I was watching a dang TikTok of an eighth grader that has offers from like Georgia Tech and Miami, right? So it's nuts, but it's it's football now, baby, in 2022. We got more to come. Got another anniversary to talk about. The guys kind of spoiled it there, but we'll get back to it. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko and Cam Urshery here. Glad to have you hanging out on this Tuesday afternoon. All right, so you guys kind of spoiled it in the last segment, but we're going to go back to it. 16 years ago today, in my mind, I think this is fact, the greatest college football game of all time was played. Absolutely. In Pasadena, California, between the USC Trojans, who a lot of people at the time considered to be maybe the best team ever, versus what Ben lovingly refers to as VY the legend, Vince Young, and the Texas Longhorns. I mean, just the stage, right? You had USC coming in on a historic win streak. Texas was undefeated coming into this game as well. Uh, they had beaten Michigan in the Rose Bowl the year before. I think that's initially when we got the we'll be back kind of a thing, like the Terminator thing from Vince Young. He's like, we'll be back here next year. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. And so you had this huge buildup to this game. And then just the setting itself, right? You're in the Rose Bowl, which in my mind is the greatest stage in sports in America. I don't know if that's arguable. Maybe Madison Square Garden. I think nah. you could. I think you. But I mean, if you're talking about just like, <laughs> if you're talking about just like the pinnacle of their sport yeah, in America, because it used to be Yankee Stadium, mm-hmm. but they tore it down, right? And they now they have new Yankee <laughs> Stadium. Like I can't think of a more hist- Lambeau Field, maybe. Yeah, but even then, but Lambeau Field is typically frigid, and when it's not frigid, it's just yeah, kind of Green Bay, right? And nothing against Green Bay, but that ain't Pasadena. What's well, like. To me, like there's so many other different places that are great historic stadiums, but then you think about the event that actually happens in them, and yeah. I think that's what sets the Rose Bowl apart. Like it, it, it's a great historic, amazing stadium with a great backdrop and and all the tradition and all that, and then you have the national championship there, the the Rose Bowl there. I mean, it just adds another layer yeah. than could possibly be at like, you know, a Lambeau Field in the playoffs. With with Aaron Rodgers, like that, that's that's great, that's amazing. Yeah. But the Rose Bowl, dude, I mean, that's that's different. And so we all obviously know what happened in this game, right? Uh, Texas wins the game forty-one to thirty-eight. Vince Young 
has like an absurd game, almost 500 yards in the game, 200 yards rushing, yeah. runs in that final one where USC is just like defeated, mm-hmm. right? You have Matthew McConaughey on the Texas sideline, Will Ferrell. And, like both, and this is like the peak of both of these guys' powers, right? Matthew McConaughey's <laughs> on the Texas sideline. Will Ferrell uh, is on the USC sideline. Walk around. Plenty of other celebrities as well. Just a massive amount of NFL talent. This is actually the first game, and it might – I don't know if it still is. Uh, it's the first game in college football history to have two Heisman Trophy winners playing for the same team. Because you had Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush. Yeah. Crazy. Obviously, Reggie had to give his Heisman yeah. back. I don't know. Has, has that happened since? Mm. I'm trying to think. I don't think so. Like Alabama team, would be the I only have... school that maybe yeah. could have done it, and they didn't. No, Percy Harvin didn't win a Heisman. No, should've. he didn't. Should have. He should have. <laughs> but, no, nah, he didn't win a Heisman, man. I, yeah. I used to love Reggie Bush. So but What happened? You can still I, love Reggie Bush. I, I, I know what happened. They, Reggie Bush wasn't great running inside the tackles. He's never really been great well, running inside the tackles. He'd be great running inside the tackles. Yeah, if you're Reggie, Reggie Bush. Bush. I just don't. I don't. Vince Young played out his mind. I'm, I'm going to say that because that was probably the year I started watching college football, and that's really when Reggie Bush came. Reggie Bush. How came old were you when this game was played? Oh six. Uh, I was eight. There you go. I was eight years old. Well, actually, technically, I was seven. Because my birthday's in April, yeah. so I was seven years old, and I used to love Reggie Bush and him and Matt Liner and that that team. What they had, Brian Cushing on defense. Oh yeah, um, and uh, Ray Maluga. Man, yeah. You guys want to do that? You guys Lord just want to do that? That's that's Lord. a pull right there, man. That, that's <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday because yeah. this is the greatest game I've ever seen. And I, I love Vince Young too. Oh, I think you part gotta of love yeah. Vince Young. Yeah, every- not everyone, but like I feel like a lot of people like Kevin Ellison, Reggie Bush, backup quarterback Mark Sanchez, Dwayne Jarrett, wow. John David Booty. What's good, my guy? <laughs> Brian Cushing, Matt Liner. Yeah, I mean this team is just nuts. Yeah, man. Lindell White, get at him. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lindell, big old Lindell, got stuffed on that. What was what it? Fourth and two. But I mean, Still he was a better <laughs> running back in the game than Reggie. Yeah, he was Reggie a better. Bush. He was a yeah. better one. Yeah, well, I was. know that that was the debate, right? Like, who who do you put in? And everyone's like, well, you get you have a Heisman Keith winner. Rivers, let's go. You have a Heisman winner on your bench right now, and you're not giving him the rock yeah. on fourth and yeah. two. It's like not only that, but it's Lindell White was the heavy setback. Like he yeah. was the power back. I mean, Ray that's Maluga. kind of what you would expect on fourth and two. So Can I, we say like maybe the best NFL career out of the USC Trojans? Ryan Khalil. Yeah, probably. Mm. I mean, yeah. probably. I know Cushing was decent for a couple of years in uh, Houston. I didn't uh, hear much from Malibu. Falcons all-time draft pick, Sam Baker. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't turn out well. That's Man. I don't know. Cool. There, there, were, there were a few players that from Frosty that team. Rucker, let's go. Yeah, like you said, that like didn't have incredible NFL careers. Mm-hmm. But that, I think like it's the difference between what you expect from them and what they actually do. Yeah. Like, hanging around the NFL for seven, eight years, it's nothing to be scoffed at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I think Vince Young would have had a better NFL career if it wasn't, you know, his – I, I, I just not – You're going to look Ben Troop in the eyes and say the Tennessee Titans were the reason? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of uh, Jeff Fisher. I, I just – uh, Jared Goff, yeah, messed go. up Jared Goff, who, yeah. who who is decent to me. But Vince Young, he still run rookie of the year, and you look at his stats, I mean, still pretty good for his career, so – Love Vince Young, but Reggie Bush was that dude. Always will be that dude. I don't care. Yeah, Jeff Fisher was Mister Nine and Seven, Seven and Nine. Yeah, yeah. it's just historically right in that right yeah. in that frame. <laughs> but but here no, but here's where I'm at with this Rose Bowl because I think it's one of those things like where we all just like in our minds like what's the greatest college football game ever played like 2000 
was six Rose Bowl. Yeah. Right. Sort of 2005 champion, but 2006 Rose Bowl. Right. It's like, that's just like greatest game I've ever played. Yeah. 2006 Rose Bowl. Like, no quite. Like, at least to me. That's, it's the first thing that pops in my mind, but it's like, okay, but why? And then you're like, well, you know, Vince Young, Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, Lindell, all these guys. It's like, okay, but why is it the greatest? And I think it's the scene. And I think this does a really good job of sum, summing it up. There's so many different things that happen inside of that. So for us growing up, the voice of college football, it was Brent Musburger and it was Keith Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like, now it's Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreet, and I—I I mean, I, Vern Lundquist is certainly up there, even though he doesn't do it anymore. And Brad Nessler and those guys, but I mean, it was Keith Jackson, yeah, and Brent Musburger, like those were the two dudes, right? And this is Keith Jackson's last game. It was <laughs> the last game that was technically known as ABC Sports before it became, and because it's all owned by Disney, but before it became ESPN on ABC. Mm-hmm. So this was the final ABC sports production where it still had that ABC logo popping up there next to the Rose Bowl, right? So that's the final one of those you got. It was the final game where the BCS National Championship wasn't a standalone game. Right. It's like back when it still rotated between the four BCS games, right? And then the year after that, it becomes its own standalone game and then you have the four BCS games so there's just so many different things inside of there where it's just kind of a transition period inside of college football but then you just have this game where Vince Young just elevates to another level and like people just hadn't seen that before yeah like you had seen Michael Vick in a national championship and what he was doing in the NFL but just to watch a guy against again a team that a lot of people thought were like the greatest ever like this USC team was on that Mount Rushmore with like the 2001 Miami Dolphins, the 95 Nebraska Cornhuskers, right? Like those teams. This is where that USC team was, and they couldn't touch Vince Young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think that's what's so awesome. So you had all of this pomp and circumstance around it, and then like you have the ferocious attempt from USC to win that football game, and then it's just Vince Young is just like Jordan in the finals. Like you just you couldn't touch him. Yeah, it's like if you put out like for for. Uh, it's like if you put out like 2011 Alabama's defense, it was just absolutely nasty. Right. And, and and they just couldn't stop anybody. Uh, they, or they couldn't stop that one guy. That's that's what uh, that that game was. And yeah, I, I think too, you know, people think about the, that one play, and it's easy to just look at that one play from Vince Young and be like, man, that was nasty. Fourth and five, last chance, clock running down. But yeah, you got to extrapolate that out too. To I think just the last five minutes of the ball game, it, go back. That's just classic football. I could yeah. watch that every day. I, that's the point. I was over make, and over is, for I the think rest this is also life. why it's the greatest ever. Is it was played 16 years ago, and like go back and try to watch like an NFL game from 16 years ago, or like a lot of other college football games. 16, yeah. It's like you're kind of like, eh, all right, mm-hmm. like it is what it is. This game, you could watch it today. You could watch it 20 mm-hmm. years from now. You could watch it 50 years from now, and it's still awesome. It was yeah. ahead of his time. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it definitely was. Just that, that like, again, that, that like, five-minute span. I mean, they're down by two possessions, mm-hmm. man. And just Vince Young says, get on my back. 18 well, points in the fourth quarter. He, he says, get on my back and let's do this. But then the defense shows up, too. I mean, it's just – it's just. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, USC wins that. That's their third straight natty, right? They shared one the uh, a couple of years before that. They won one. And this would have been the third straight one. Am I right or wrong? Two-time defending AP National Championship, the USC Trojans. So, yeah, you're correct. Wow. Yeah. See? Man. I was Because of what? 2004 or 2005 was the year Auburn went undefeated and they got left out. It was 2004. 
that I don't I know. Think. With Jason Campbell and Cadillac and Ronnie Brown and them boys. Yeah. Man. Believe so. USC yeah. lost, man. That hurt. Because I was definitely a, I was a Bush fan. I was. <laughs> I was. I'm not going to lie and come on here and say, oh, Vince Young. I like Vince Young, but I was definitely a Bush fan. You can see the hurt in Pete Carroll's eyes when they lost that game. See, that was one of those games. Like, usually five. I find myself, like, rooting for one team in a game, but that's just one of those games I remember watching. It's just like you just kind of sit back and watch. It's like watching a movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just like, what it, however this ends up, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly fine with it because I mean, it's just this is this is classic and legit college football at its finest. I was I was rooting for Texas. I'll, I'll say I, I was rooting for Texas, you of say course. It. But, like, at the same time, that, that's not – that's, that's pretty okay, predictable PJ. for me. PJ is uh, making re- just revelations out here. Okay, all right. And that's pretty predictable for me, though. Like, any any team that's going on and winning one or two straight things, like, I, I want to see the underdog – What's some players back in, from that Texas team outside of Vince Young? Yeah, 2004 Auburn, four, uh, 13 and 0. What, what's some good players from that Texas team outside of Vince Young? You mean Young? like Michael Huff? There you go. Oh, okay. There you okay. go. I, I mean, I, you know, got to refresh the memory. It's been 16 years. I was no, they a seven year old kid. Um, <laughs> who's running back for that that team? Was that Jamal Charles at that point, or was he a little later? I think Jamal Charles may have been a little bit later. Or if it was Jamal, he had to be like a freshman. I, I want to say I that was a little was bit later. On that team, I'm, I got it pulled up right here. I'm we pretty sure they had Jamal a really Charles. good running back. Love Jamal Charles, man. Or I'm trying I'm to was it Brinson? Terribly that was the running back on that team. Now, now you guys are killing me right here. <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I, that was a good game, man. They did have a player apparently on that roster who was a six three, two hundred and seventy pound running back named Henry. Yeah, Henry Melton. Good lord! Goodness gracious. <laughs> Why didn't he play more? Baby TK Deckett. <laughs> right? He's like, no, he's the uh he was a counterpoint a counter counterpoint to uh Lin- Linda White. The TJ Duckett reference. I oh, appreciate yeah. that. Oh my goodness. They had oh, yeah. Selvin Young. That was that guy. Yeah. VY the legend. No, let's just go through it. Cause I mean, yeah, this is awesome. You had Justin Blaylock on that team who played Ooh. for the Falcons okay. for forever. Will yeah. Buchanan. The backup quarterback. Oh, there's so many good players on here. Jamal Charles, there he is. Yep. Oh. What freshman. year was he? Freshman. Freshman. Yeah, freshman. But he still yeah. got that ring? Oh, yeah, no, he got course. that ring. Oh, that's OG Jermichael right Finley, oh, get at me. Okay, nasty. Was was Lima Swede on that team? or was Cedric that, Griffin. That a little bit after Cedric well. Griffin was on that team. You had like you had all the Griffins. You had Cedric Griffin, Dallas Griffin, Marcus Griffin, and Michael Griffin. So that means, go. did Jamal Charles play in two natties? Was he on that national championship team when Texas played Alabama as well? In 2009. What was 06? No, because he had to be a senior. Was that junior or senior year? Freshman. Yeah. Six, seven, eight. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. Just wondering. Just wondering. Well, it's 2009 national championship, so it was a 2008 season. So he might have been a senior, but he also might have left early. Was it, or was that game played in 2010? Man. (laughs) Welcome. It may have been played in 2010. I might be wrong. That that always confuses me. These are my favorite shows because this is just a show like where we are just sitting around on benches going like no 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 no. <laughs> right. It was like this year. It'll be like, hey, it's 2022 national championship. Like, no, it's not. It's 2021. But yeah, but it's played. In well, 20. let's let, we'll let Cam look that up. It we was def- take- yeah, it was definitely 09 to 10. So yeah, nah, he doesn't own that he team. Not, gotcha. Unless he okay. unless he got like a red shirt in there somewhere. But I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. he was already cooking people for the Chiefs at that point. Mm-hmm. So we gotta take so. a quick break. We'll come back. We got more to come here. On second down, but I want to just wax nostalgically about that Rose Bowl. I'm going to do it any chance I can. Like I said, I will fight you any day of the week about Cam Newton's season at Auburn, and I'll talk to you at any point, anytime, anywhere 
about that Rose Bowl. We got more to come here on Second Down. We'll be right back after this. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. All right, I'm going to go full BJ Bennett on you guys because this is going to be thought-provoking. There's going to be a lot of opinions here, and words mean things. Mm. I don't know. It's not really that deep. Uh, Cooper Cup plays wide receiver (laughs) for the Los Angeles Rams, and he's having an unbelievable season. He's only one of four players in NFL history with 100 receptions, 1,500 receiving yards, and 15 receiving touchdowns. The dude is an unbelievable wide receiver. And, you know, it's nice to see our guy, Matt Stafford, get a little bit better weather and get a little bit better team Absolutely. out there. But he, I don't want to say made a controversial statement, but I think one that not a lot of people thought maybe him being the person he's talking about would be on that side of it. Mm-hmm. He came out and said he is in favor of separating records from seven or 17 game seasons versus the 16 game seasons for those of you out there who aren't familiar he is within 11 catches of tying Michael Thomas for the most catches in a season and he is 135 yards away from tying Calvin Johnson's single season receiving yardage record Mm. point of the story is Cooper Cup has already played 16 games so if this was any other year his regular season would be over and he'd be those 11 receptions and 135 yards short so in his mind if he breaks it, those should be either with an, with an asterisk or it should just be a completely separate record book. He's not the only one uh, who's getting close. I think T.J. Watt is like a sack away, like one sack yeah. away from tying Michael Strahan for the record. And I know it hasn't really been a big deal in football because 16 games have been around for such a long time, but – was it Roger Maris that broke the home run record? Yeah, Roger Maris, who broke the home run record prior to McGuire and Barry Bonds going back and forth, is it was the 140 games prior to the 162 games. And so everyone's like, it doesn't count because right. you get so many more games to do it. I'm kind of with Cooper Cup on this. I don't think it would be that big of a deal to go back or maybe just change it to you average it out like versus like games played in a season and that's the record or something like that because hmm. if you're going to keep adding games, obviously the statistics are just going to keep getting higher. Uh, this is what I would say. Um, typically I would agree, but I'm like, it's a COVID kind of year where things have been up and down. People are out of the lineup. One week you might not play with your starting quarterback or your starting old lineman. And that's why – I don't think that's why they added an extra game, but I think it's beneficial, but – He's going to be, what, one of three players to be a Triple Crown? My man Steve Smith and I think Jerry Rice are the mm-hmm. other two. I mean, well, I'm not taking anything crazy, away from yeah. the season, but it's yeah. like, is it fair for Calvin Johnson, who played in 16 games? And I will say this, one of the best abilities is availability. And when you look back on records and games played, I don't think you can look at COVID any differently than you could look at turf toe or a rolled ankle or something like that. It's just in terms of reason for missing games. Oh, that's true. Whether or not you played, it's the NFL. It's a physical sport. People miss games all the time. Mm-hmm. I think a big reason is, if you, at least according to the NFL, and the CDC and all of them, if you do everything you're supposed to do and you stay away from people that you're supposed to stay away from, then you shouldn't get COVID, and therefore you wouldn't be missing those games. So I don't know if I would put that asterisk next to it saying, oh, he did all of this and in a COVID year. Yeah, I think they do need to set records aside and maybe possibly, hey, this is a 17-game record, this is 16. Yeah. 
think that's kind of cool because I mean, what Calvin Johnson and um, Michael Thomas did—that's yeah—that's insane for just sixteen games. I don't know. I'm I'm conflicted on it because I just if if we do this for everything, if we, if we do this for every sport, like sports evolve. It's just that sports sports change. The games amount of amount of games being played, things like that change. There's, there's more. You look at college football. There's more college bowl games and, and things like that nowadays too. And I know there's that conversation between, well, this is back when they only counted regular season games for college football players. This is when they added in bowl games. And I think, I don't know, I, I think it's kind of up to, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if I'd have two different record books is basically what I'm trying to say. Like, if, well, What I'm saying is like, if you're the NFL and Calvin Johnson has this record, but Cooper Cup breaks it by a yard, but he does it in a 17th game. Could you then just go back and say, okay, we're going to put like the NFL single season receiving record is by game. So like because it's a 16 game season versus 17 game season, Calvin Johnson would still have a higher average per game. Could you still have Calvin Johnson as the record? Because I think that That's carries. Sig- wild, yeah. I think that carries yeah. significance. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I think that's difficult. Like I, I could definitely see where where y'all are come from and agree to a to a certain point, uh, for sure. And if if they're gonna do it, obviously this is the time to do it. Like this is the this is the year to do it. You yeah. can't retroactively go back and and do whatever. But well, they're not going to. Nobody cares enough about it. It's like my argument that I always have against the College Football Hall of Fame is your one job in life as the College Football Hall of Fame is to be the bastion of information and history yeah. for college football. Yeah. But you decide you don't want to do as much work and so you put these just baseless kind of bumpers on yourself or framework on yourself a criteria of what it takes to be even considered to be in the college football hall of fame and so guys like howard schnellenberger and nick chubb will never be able to be considered to be college football hall of famers yeah so it's just yeah so it's just if you were the nfl record keepers what else are you doing like this should be all you're worried about <laughs> right do you He's keeping track of this stuff, yeah man. do you guys think he'll break it though 11, i know 11 for 135 is a lot yeah i don't think he they will because they're like oh unless they just like unless they just like force feed him yeah well, they're oh and six against san francisco too yeah I mean, they are like, they haven't beat him in a while he is i mean he, he is obviously one, one of the core players on that team though one of the core receivers like matt stafford that's that's kind of his safety net so yeah. at the end of the day i think he could break the 11 yeah I, I don't think the 135 is is going to happen, but I think he Unless could he very like well break the off like a 70 yarder to start the game, and then you're like, Uh-oh. right. Speaking yeah. of records, uh, yeah. what Kyle Pitts is like 56 yards away from breaking Pull Mike that hammy though. Yeah. Do you think mm. think he's going to get back? What, well, I listen, hope. we're talking to D Orlando at 3:35. We'll get the latest on that. But Kyle Pitts is like within striking yeah. distance of Mike Ditka's NFL rookie receiving record for a tight end. Mm-hmm. We'll talk to D Orlando about that. Uh, but quickly, before we go to break, just want to leave you guys with this. We're talking about Calvin Johnson having the single season receiving yardage record. And we're talking about Cooper Cup trying to break that. You know what's pretty amazing about that? Same guy slinging both of them the ball. True. Matt mm. Stafford out here doing it. We'll be right back right here on second down. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by The Uniform Source. Two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. you got a big show coming up today on 3 and Out. We'll catch up with D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Get the latest on the Atlanta Falcons. Could we see Kyle Pitts 
go for the record. You're not playing for anything else. You lost to the Bills. Matt Ryan just flexing on folks, getting unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and backing you up 15 yards and perhaps costing you the game. But we're not talking about that because I will never <laughs> speak ill of my, my QB1, Matt Ryan. But, again, we'll get the latest from D. Orlando Ledbetter. Also going to catch up with D. or Drew DeArmond. Excuse me. That's tough, yeah, following those two up. Yeah. I would have done worse. Honestly. We're almost done. And we're going to get there. But Drew DeArmond from 977 ESPN in Huntsville. Uh, we're going to break down that Georgia-Alabama National Championship coming up on Monday. We'll also catch up with Connor Riley for the Georgia perspective on that. Stetson Bennett out here saying, I ain't worried about 41 years of history. I'm worried about one game. Woo! Stetson, I have seen the pictures of you in the Georgia jersey growing up. I know damn well you're worried about 41 years <laughs> of history. But we'll break all that down coming up on 3 and Out. If you missed any portion of our show today, you can check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Second Down. We will talk with everyone tomorrow.